The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's a Friday edition of the PFT PM Podcast, December 22. Get your Christmas shopping done, or you'll be done. You know what'll happen. You don't want to be sleeping outside next week. You don't want to be getting that look because you failed yet again to properly satisfy the people in your life who take care of you all year long, and you were too busy to go out and properly shop. And it's harder to get away with that I don't have time excuse because As I've learned this year, you can get everything you need on your cell phone device. Or if you want to go old school, you can use your computer. You use your cell phone device or your computer to dial up this PFTM podcast, and I appreciate you for doing so. you got a lot of other things to do this weekend. So if you're listening, thank you. And thank you for everything you've done this year to support ProFootballTalk.com, PFT Live, PFTPM, Football Night in America, everything at NBC Sports. We appreciate that. Let's get right to it couple of news items before we do a week 16 preview. I saw this earlier today, and I still don't know why the Ravens did it. The Ravens sent out a letter to season ticket holders, suite holders, and other clientele. Not signed by the owner of the team, Steve Bishotti, but signed by team president Dick Cass. It's very important to enunciate articulate that name carefully. Dick Cass. Citing the anthem protest, the one-week anthem protest in which Ravens players engaged when they were playing a game in London, there was never a protest at their home stadium. They engaged in the protest the same weekend most other teams did as a reaction to essentially the dare from the commander-in-chief the get that son of a bitch off the field line that the commander-in-chief articulated at a rally in Alabama, I think it was, on September the 22nd, three months ago today. So a letter was sent pointing out that there was a number of no-shows and that it was noticeable and that there are a number of reasons for the no-shows, but surely the one-time, in, the one-time protest in London has been a factor. How do they know? How do they know? that a one-time protest in London the weekend, every other team protested in some form or fashion. How do they know that that's a factor? Maybe the team isn't exciting. Maybe the team isn't drawing people. Maybe the team, which has been to the playoffs one time in the last five years, maybe people just aren't interested. And I don't know what you gain by sending out a letter pointing out that there is a noticeable number of no-shows, an uptick, an increase in no-shows, and blame it on the one-time protest in London. Especially at a time when Colin Kaepernick still has a viable collusion grievance against the NFL, and the Ravens are right in the middle of that because the Ravens are one of the only teams that publicly linked the reluctance to sign Kaepernick to this anthem issue. 
I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I don't know why the owner of the team didn't sign off on it. And I don't know why, look, I don't want this to be interpreted the wrong way, but I recall thinking very clearly in September of 2014 that Dick Cass was not long for the Ravens based upon the bungling by the team of the Ray Rice situation. Because the team and the league should have seen that Ray Rice in elevator video, the one that TMZ dropped on everyone on the first Monday of the regular season in 2014. They should have known about it. They should have seen it. The explanation was never viable or persuasive or plausible. And I am surprised, frankly, that Dick Cass is still employed by the Ravens because of his involvement in that. The whole thing's just odd. The whole thing's confusing. And we have moved on. How often do we even hear now about protests? It doesn't happen very often. It's a very small handful of players, if that many. I don't know why you dredge it up now. And I guess it's good if you're going to dredge it up at all, have it come out on a Friday in late December. But the whole thing's confusing to me. I felt like we'd all moved on, and apparently we haven't. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on to a topic that we'd all love to move on for, but I think it's important to understand what's happening with the catch rule and the replay review of rulings on the field that a catch was made. Because it became very clear to me a couple of years ago, the way Dean Blandino was explaining the catch rule and replay review of the catch rule, they were going to defer more frequently to the ruling on the field because there's such a subjective element to that third part of the catch rule. And I'll summarize it here in a second. But there's three parts to the catch rule. That third part, that key, that concept of having the ball long enough to clearly become a runner. It's so subjective that if the ruling on the field is it was a catch, it's almost impossible to have clear and indisputable evidence. And I'm mixing the the two formulations of the standard. It used to be indisputable visual evidence. Now it's clear and obvious evidence. It's almost impossible, or it should be impossible, to have clear and obvious evidence that the ruling on the field was wrong because the ruling on the field now is so inherently subjective. It's almost like pass interference. It's almost a judgment call. Maybe that's what they should do. Maybe I have tripped over this nugget of plutonium by accident or plutonium. Maybe they should say that whether or not a catch is a catch is no longer reviewable because it's a judgment call. Maybe that's what they should do. How about that? See, that's one of the reasons I like doing this, because it forces me to think out loud, and sometimes it goes well, sometimes it don't. But I kind of like this. I'm going to have to flush this out a little bit more in my spare time if I have any. Got some travel time this weekend, heading up to Connecticut for the Saturday edition of Football Night in America. I want to noodle this through some more. I like the idea of making... Catch, no catch, making the third element of catch, no catch, not reviewable. The first two elements are reviewable. And let's let's review the elements now that we're kind of onto something here. Element one, you have to secure control of the ball in your hands or arms prior to the ball touching the ground. So you have to secure control before the ball ever touches the ground. Now, some would say, just remove that ability of the ball to ever touch the ground. That that's how we got off the rails in the first place. But I digress for now. Element one, secure control of the ball in hands or arms prior to the ball touching the ground. Two, you have to touch the ground inbounds with both feet or with any other part of the body other than hands on the ground. So one knee equals two feet, one butt cheek equals two feet, as you saw last weekend. One anything, shin, forearm, elbow, shoulder, helmet, anything can take the place of two feet. 
Element one, secure control. Element two, two hands or any other body part. And then is element three, maintain control of the ball after the first two conditions have been fulfilled until the receiver has the ball long enough to clearly become a runner. Why not make that non-reviewable? At a time when we are expanding, what gets reviewed? Reviewed, 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 reviewed. Make that non-reviewable. Call that a judgment call no different than pass interference. And let me tell you, it's a hell of a lot easier to review pass interference than it is to review whether or not a guy has become a runner after securing the ball and getting two feet or one body part down. I think we're on to something. And I'm telling you, I'm, this isn't a bit. I had no thought. I had no idea. I had no clue that I was even going to say this before we started this. So I'm kind of glad we do this because it does give me this laboratory to sound out both good and horrible ideas. And the other problem is, if we accept that it will continue to be reviewable, and I'd be surprised if they take my advice really on anything, but one of the problems I continue to have, and every time Al Riveron talks about one of these calls, he never says, the ruling on the field was that it was a catch. To overturn the ruling on the field, there must be clear and obvious evidence that the ruling on the field was wrong. So I am not reviewing this as if I'm seeing it for the first time or applying the initial ruling. I am reviewing this only through that lens of, is it clear and obvious the ruling on the field was incorrect? So in the Jesse James play, the ruling on the field was secured control of the ball in hands or arms prior to the ball touching the ground to Touched the ground with both feet or any part of the body. And he did actually have both feet touch before the ball came out. Three, maintain control after the first two conditions have been fulfilled until he has the ball long enough to clearly become a runner. So the knee is down. See, you can become a runner without running. And I've had it back and forth with some folks about how can you clearly become a runner if your feet aren't on the ground moving, like Fred Flintstone firing up his, what they call that thing? Did they have a name for that thing? That vehicle that had no bottom and they ran and everything else had a weird, stupid, like pun type of a name. What do they call his, what do they call his car? Help me out. Stats? What do they call Fred Flintstone's car? But you know what? I don't want stats around is the only time I need him. Not that he would know. So you don't have to actually be running to clearly become a runner. You have to have the ball long enough. And remember the old formulation? Have the ball long enough to perform an act common to the game. And what Jesse James did is he caught the ball and he lunged across the goal line. Is it clear and obvious that he wasn't a runner? And a couple of things that Al Riveron said during a media briefing yesterday underscore this point. He said that James, quote, does make another move when he's reaching for pay dirt, end quote. Okay, well, he had the ball long enough to become a runner. If he's able to make that other move, also, he said that Riveron's, or Riveron said that James' lunge to the goal line was not obviously a football move, or not necessarily a football move. Sorry, not necessarily a football move. Well, if it's not necessarily a football move, that means there's a chance it was a football move. That means it's not clear and obvious that it wasn't a football move. See, with his choice of words, and precision is so important with this job, when you're going to be the conduit, to the media and the fans of the decisions made and not made by NFL officials and also made and not made at 345 Park Avenue in replay, you've got to be clear, you've got to be precise, and you can't create openings for people like me to say, wait a minute, something's not right here. Because if you admit that it was not necessarily a football move, there is a chance that it wasn't clear and obvious that it was not a football move, if that makes any sense, and maybe it doesn't. Anyway, let me go back to my original point. Just make part three 
not subject to replay review, especially if the league office is not capable of properly applying the replay standard. Maybe there's some grand conspiracy here. Let's. Th this reminds me of the one time my mom made me cut the grass. I screwed it up so badly she never made me do it again. Now, I, I wish I'd done it intentionally. I'm not at that level of evil genius yet, but I learned a lesson there. Hey, if you're really bad at something, you won't ever get to do it again. So maybe they'll start shrinking the replay standard because, oh God, they're going to screw it up again. Maybe this is all some part of a grand plan to have less replay review. If so, mission accomplished as it relates to the catch rule, because I think the best fix would be to make element three not reviewable. Quick word on the XFL. I have a feeling it's coming back. When Vince McMahon liquidates $100 million worth of stock, I don't know how much money he needs to fire it up, but the time is right. You could argue the XFL was ahead of its time because if they come back as the answer to the NFL, and think about this, McMahon's wife is a member of President Trump's cabinet. And what does President Trump say from time to time about the NFL? They don't hit like they used to. There is a mood among many in this country to embrace old school football. And I've been saying it for a while. The one risk of the NFL going too far with making the game too safe is that it opens the door for a competitor that would play old school football. Now, I don't know when the XFL would play. Would it play in the fall? Would it be the answer to the NFL? Would it be counter-programming, old school, rough and tumble, no holds barred, a complete fun league as the answer to the no fun league? Something to consider. Because Vince McMahon is up to something. And where the NFL currently is, all as a result of concerns over head trauma, worried about politicians, worried about mom and dad not letting Jimmy and Joey play football, worried about all the people in the media who wring their hands and gnash their teeth over players, fully knowing and appreciating the risks, embracing the risks, and playing football. And why don't we try to tell other people what they can and can't do? Why don't we tell people they can't ride motorcycles? without helmets in the states where that's legal? Why don't we tell people they can't go skydiving? Why don't we tell people they can't climb rock walls? Why don't we tell people they can't engage in any other inherently dangerous activities that they choose as adults to engage in? I don't get that. Watch what happens. Because I think the best way to posture an alternative league to the NFL is to say we're going to embrace all the things that the NFL has systematically shunned over the last 10 years. And if you don't think football is different, fundamentally different now than it was... 15, 10, 20 years ago, go back and watch the highlights. Go back and dig out the VHS tapes of all the big hits. Stuff now that would get guys thrown right out of the league. Used to be celebrated. All right, time for a week 16 preview. NFL action is coming. And, you know, I had this all pulled up and ready to go, so it would be very seamless. I had the full list of games. Now i got to pull it up again. Not nearly as professional of an operation as I would like it to be. Have you come to expect anything other than kind of a half-assed overall approach? Here we go. Week 16 preview. It gets started at 4.30 p.m. Eastern tomorrow on NFL Network. Colts at the Ravens. The Colts go back to Baltimore. I don't know how many times I've been back to Baltimore since they left 33 years ago. I mean, there's only been an occasion for the last 20 years to go back. There's been a postseason game or two, I think, where the Colts have had to go back to Baltimore. But I'm sure anytime the Colts return to Baltimore, the fans there relish the opportunity to kick their asses. And I think some Colts' asses will be kicked on Saturday when the Ravens, who are still very much alive for the playoffs, take on the Colts. I'd be shocked if the Colts win that game. 
Vikings-Packers, the Saturday night game. It's presumed the Vikings will win. I'm intrigued by the fact that Case Keenum has never played in sub-freezing weather. I'm also intrigued by what the Packers may be able to muster at home. Regular season home finale. This is it. This is their playoff game. This is their chance to throw a wrench into the Vikings postseason positioning like they did back in 1988 when the Vikings were 11-5, and the Packers were 4-12, and and half of the Packers' wins came against the Vikings. The Packers beat the Vikings by 20 in October in their own building at the Metrodome. And then the next to the last game of the season, the Vikings went to Lambeau, and they still had a chance to be the one seed in the NFC, and they blew it. And the Vikings finished not only not the one seed, they also didn't win their division because they finished a game behind the Bears. But if the Vikings had just won really one of those games against the Packers, the Vikings would have been the one seed because they would have won the division on head-to-head tiebreakers with the Bears, and then the road to Super Bowl 23 would have gone through the Metrodome. Instead, the Vikings had a wildcard game at home against the Rams. They went on the road and got splattered by the 49ers, and that was that for the season. That was one of the better regular seasons of the Vikings in the last 30 years, and the Packers were horrible that year, but the Packers still had enough to beat the Vikings. And that is the best way I can sell that game tomorrow night. Because with no Aaron Rodgers, with Brett Hundley and Joe Houlihan, I I don't know what else I can do. I don't know what else I can say. Other than it's football, it's on TV, and it is a classic rivalry, and the Vikings are still playing for possibly the one seed. They're trying to hold on to the two seed. Sunday, full slate of games without a Sunday night game. Our Sunday night game is on Saturday night, but there are plenty of games Begins with Lions and Bengals. The Bengals have been horrible. They lost 33-7 at home to the Bears. Then they lost 34-7 at Minnesota. I guess they should lose 35-7 at home against the Lions. The Lions still alive for the playoffs. The Bengals done. A lot of confusion about Marvin Lewis's future. I'd be shocked if the Lions don't win this game. Dolphins, Chiefs. Everybody thinks the Chiefs are going to win. But do a little research on how Adam Gase offenses have done against Bob Sutton defenses. And if you do that research, you will come to the conclusion that the Dolphins, who are 11-point underdogs, just like they were two weeks ago at home against the Patriots, and how did that work out? It could just be that the Dolphins will win this game. They still have a glimmer of hope to get to the postseason. Bills, Patriots, both teams have playoff implications on the line. Bills trying to get to the playoffs. Patriots trying to nail down the one seed. And look, I I don't know how this one's going to go. I assume the Patriots are going to win. They won by 20 the last time. It just was not an overpowering. It didn't feel like a 20-point victory. And you've got this Rob Gronkowski angle. Are they going to try to bait Gronkowski into blowing a gasket like he did three weeks ago? Because that's why he dove on Tredavious White. He was irritated that he was being held. And will the officials throw the flag if he's held and jostled and hit downfield after what he did to Tredavious White? And will Gronk need to have his head on a swivel? Tredavious White said Gronkowski still hasn't apologized. He told us that this morning on PFT Live. Will Gronkowski seek out Tredavious White and try to defuse all this? There's a, there's a, a sneaky, ugly history between these teams. Remember last year when Jacoby Brissett was warming up and guys from the Bills were trying to instigate? Now, that was under Rex Ryan. This time around, the Patriots players uh, are the ones that instigated last time, and it could cause the Bills to be a little more salty, and it just could be an interesting game. I'm going to be down in the barn for the first time and only time this year watching all the games, and that's going to be one of the top games I have tuned in at 1 p.m. Eastern because it's got the potential for some ugliness, although I think the Patriots win. Browns-Bears, speaking of ugly. And, you know, I picked the Bears to win 
because I just feel like the Browns are going to continue to find a way to lose. But you have to consider this. The Bears have never won when they've been favored under John Fox. Isn't that amazing? And the Browns have much greater motivation to win. The Bears have their four wins. And you got a lot of players who, you know, we only got 120 minutes of football left. I'd like to get through this season healthy. You may not have the level of effort that the Browns may have. The Browns players do not want to be part of historically one of the worst teams in the NFL. If you go 1-15, ah, who cares? Plenty of teams have done that. You go 0-16, you got one other team, the 2008 Lions. I won't be surprised if the Browns win. I still don't believe in them enough where they are right now with the dysfunction that continues in that organization. I don't believe in them enough to win. But, uh, yeah. That's one of the 1 o'clock games. And uh, I, I can't remember who's calling that game. When I saw the assignment earlier this week, I thought, oh, my God, who's... Whose cereal did they crap in to get that assignment? Buccaneers-Panthers. Panthers still have a shot at the two seed. They need the Vikings to lose. They need to win out. And I think they need the Saints to lose one game because the Saints hold the head-to-head tiebreaker. But uh, Buccaneers playing for pride, maybe trying to keep Dirk Cutter around. They, they acquitted themselves well, one of my favorite sayings. Acquitted themselves well against the Falcons on Monday night. But I don't know that the Buccaneers have enough healthy players to go in there and beat the Panthers. And the Panthers have looked very good lately. Falcons-Saints, that's that's the game of the day. That's the game with the most riding on it. That's the game that may ultimately decide, and to a large extent will decide, the NFC South. If the Falcons win out, they beat the Saints and the Panthers the last two weeks of the season, they win the division. The Saints currently in first place. The Saints looking to even things up after that loss in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. And what fascinates me about this game... The comments from Sean Payton earlier this week about the choke sign that he directed at Devontae Freeman. And remember, he got fined $10,000 for approaching the official in a very hostile and belligerent way. Because on that play when Freeman fumbled and and the, the Ravens, the Falcons were trying to run out the clock. Payton had said he wanted a timeout. After the fumble, and it was recovered by the Falcons and the clock's still ticking, the official says, do you still want your timeout? I mean, what an idiot. All due respect. I know that doesn't make it right, but I just feel like when I say something mean-spirited or just inappropriate, if I throw out all due respect, at least it's like it's like taking a mop and just doing one swipe through a spot where a hot water tank just exploded. Broncos, Redskins, who cares? Oh my gosh, I accidentally said the word that I never say. And you know what? We haven't talked about this in a while. I don't say that name, not because I personally believe that it's offensive to me, or offensive in the abstract, I don't say it out of respect to the Native Americans who are genuinely offended by it. And so much of the shouting as it relates to the propriety of the term, if there are Native Americans who are genuinely offended, and I know they are because I have I have heard from them, out of respect to them, I try not to say it. And it's been a while since I slipped. I just happened to look right at it because it's right in front of me as I look at the slate of games. But anyway, who cares about the game? That, that conversation is far more interesting than the game. Kirk Cousins trying to get his big contract. Kirk Cousins may get franchise tagged. Who knows what they're going to do with Kirk Cousins? Who knows what they're going to do with Jay Gruden? Who knows what they're going to do with Bruce Allen? And in Denver, I saw a comment today, and I can't remember who said it, but I like this thought. I think it was Mark Dominic. I think he said it on SiriusXM NFL Radio. That John Elway is going to go after a veteran quarterback because I think he believes that with the quality of that defense... And with the receivers that they have and with all the other pieces, what they need is an experienced veteran quarterback to come in and take over. 
and he believes they can get right back to Super Bowl caliber if they do. Who knows? Who knows? But they did win a Super Bowl a couple of years ago with Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning was not firing on all cylinders physically. But from a leadership standpoint, accountability standpoint, he was, and maybe that's what the Broncos need. Rams-Titans, Super Bowl 34 rematch. Titans have been falling apart. They've lost two games in a row at Arizona and at San Francisco. Right after I dubbed the Titans as that team that wins the games they're supposed to win. They should have won the last two. They didn't. The Rams coming on strong, 42-7 win over the Seahawks. Rams nail this one down. They're the division champions. And if the Titans lose, they may miss the playoffs. And you have to wonder what ownership will do about Mike Malarkey if they fail to deliver on what was a pretty strong preseason presumption that the Titans would make it into the postseason field. Chargers-Jets. Chargers go back to MetLife Stadium, site of their first win of the season when they were 0-4 and the Giants were 0-4. Jets still have Bryce Petty. Will we see Christian Hackenberg? Probably not. Can the Chargers overcome that ugly, uninspired loss in Kansas City to keep their playoff hopes alive? I think they will. It's got the potential to be a sneaky good game at 1 o'clock Eastern on Sunday. But the Chargers definitely still trying to hold it all together. They host the Raiders next week. And it could be the Raiders are trying to play spoiler. And it'll be interesting to see how many Raiders fans there are versus Chargers fans in that 27,000-seat stadium in L.A., especially if the Raiders are done. Seahawks-Cowboys get together at 425 Eastern. That's the big late afternoon game. It's an elimination game. Whoever loses is done. And for the Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott's back. He's looking like he's in better shape. Jerry Jones, the owner of the team, says he's going to get 20 to 25 carries. And when you look at how Dak Prescott gradually improved with Elliott out, you give Elliott back to Prescott, could be a very good team. Could be a very good game. Could be a team that they need a lot of help. They need a lot of help. I think they need the Lions to lose, and they, other things need to happen. Like it, it's a, There's a lot that needs to happen for the Cowboys to steal a playoff spot. But if they get in, they're going to be very dangerous. And I don't think the Eagles want to see them. I don't think any of the teams that are supposedly good in the NFC want the Cowboys to come to town with Zeke and Dak and a defense that's gotten healthier and an attitude, right? A nothing-to-lose attitude. Cowboys are used to being the hunted. They would be the hunters every step of the way. That would be fascinating if it happens. They're kind of like in that same mode that the the Packers were in before they lost to the Panthers last weekend, that if this team gets in, they could shake things up. But right now it looks like they're not going to get in. And if the Seahawks win, the Seahawks have a chance to get things shaken up in the NFC. I just don't think they get in either. I think the Cowboys win. I think the Cowboys may win out and not get in. Jaguars 49ers. That's a 4.05 Eastern kick in San Francisco. This one is sneaky fascinating because the 49ers have won several games in a row with Jimmy Garoppolo. The Jaguars, a team that, that had been inconsistent but seems to be maturing, understands what's in front of it, understands there's a chance to still get a bye, and realizes that this is a team that could really upend the AFC playoff picture, that could disrupt that presumed Patriots-Steelers AFC championship game. And it, it, look, if if the Jaguars really are in that right mindset where they're going to take care of business week in and week out, this is a game they should win. And then they have the Titans in Nashville to wrap the season. But the Jaguars, very impressive this year. Plenty of guys getting mentioned for coach of the year. Doug Marone hasn't been. He should be. It's amazing. And could Blake Bortles win comeback player of the year just based upon what he does within the scope of one season? I mean, it's supposed to be this season in comparison to other seasons. But I think you could make the argument that Blake Bortles is comeback player of the year based upon how he's improved just within the confines of this season. The last three weeks, he's been incredible. 
Giants Cardinals 425 p.m. Eastern. Who cares? Boy, if I lived in New York, I'd be upset because you're going to get Giants Cardinals when Seahawks Cowboys is going on. Who cares? Neither team is alive. Neither team is exciting. Davis Webb isn't even going to play. I think Davis Webb would have played this week and next week if they hadn't bungled the the Eli benching so badly a few weeks ago. And with the Cardinals, they're getting closer and closer to the end of the road, and you have to wonder, is Bruce Arians going to step aside when the season ends? There was a report several weeks ago that he's told people close to him that he will. He denied it, as you would expect him to. We'll find out in the next week or so. Those planets are going to start lining up soon. We're just about nine days away. Black Monday is irrelevant. Typically, we know who's out by the time we we go to bed on the Sunday of the last week of the regular season. Ordinarily, I would defer any talk of Monday football until Monday, but no PFT Live on Monday. And I I I don't want to let me see. I don't, I don't want to say anything I shouldn't say. It's a holiday, right? And I don't want people who understand the value of the holiday and the importance of the holiday to have to work. And for me, it's very easy to work because I live in my radio studio. I get out of bed, I walk down the hall, I put on the headsets, I turn on the machine, and I can do it. I tried to do it. I wanted to do it. But ultimately, I respected the fact that it is a holiday. Ultimately, the ghost of Christmas future convinced me that I should not do the show. And also, no podcast. Is there going to be a podcast Monday? I don't think there's a podcast Monday. I can't recall if I decided to do a podcast on Monday. Maybe it's Tuesday. I can't remember. Maybe it is Monday. Maybe I am going to do I think I may do one. Unless it's, I think I'm thinking January 1. January 1, there's no show. And I think January 1, I'm doing the podcast. So no podcast Monday, no PFT Live Monday. So let's talk about these games. Boy, that was a wasted shitload of time just to set up why I'm talking about the two games now. Steelers-Texans, what a fascinating game this would have been if Deshaun Watson hadn't been injured. But look, it's back to the old mode for the Steelers. Now that they've played the Patriots once, it's about playing down to the level of the competition. This may be an exciting game because the Steelers play down to the level of the competition. And look, it's another big platform game for the Steelers. It's amazing to me how this has all worked out in the schedule. It's been one week after another, Steelers, 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 Steelers. I mean, if it was any other team, I think people would be losing their minds. It has been, it will be six straight weeks Standalone, nationally televised, big deal games. But for the fact that the the 425 Eastern game last Sunday against the Patriots, there was one other game on. It was, what was it, Titans 49ers broadcast to 2% of the country. But look at this, six straight weeks. Thursday night game against the Titans. Sunday night game against the Packers. Monday night game against the Bengals. Sunday night game against the Ravens. That huge game of the year against the Patriots. And a Monday afternoon game, only game on against the Texans. It's amazing. I think the Steelers win but maybe they end up allowing it to be kept close, especially without Antonio Brown. And also, how much of a hangover will there be from the way that the end of the game last week unfolded? Raiders-Eagles, the Monday night game. Eagles win. They're the number one seed. The Raiders, I I don't know the Raiders. The Raiders have just been a huge disappointment this year. And Derek Carr, he had the comments about that ungainly effort to be Mike Vick and dive toward the pylon and soar through the air and he threw the ball forward and went out of the end zone. And then he said this week he'd he'd do the same thing all over again because at the end of the game he wants to make that last shot. It's, it's like throwing up the ball from half court with 20 seconds left on the clock. That's what he did because he had the first down. Just tuck the ball, keep it in your possession, get out of bounds or get to the ground, and then you got first and goal from the two or the one. 
It was just stupid. And surely he knows about the rule that if you lose possession of the ball and it goes out of bounds in the end zone, the other team gets it at the 20. It was a stupid moment. He needs. I, I, just, I hope at least privately he acknowledges it. I understand that the machismo and the testosterone keep guys from admitting that they screwed up. Uh, hopefully privately, just like the Steelers. Like if the Steelers learned anything about what went wrong last week and why it went wrong, that they didn't have two plays ready, they had no plan during that three minutes and 20 seconds between touchdown and reversal of touchdown, Publicly, they send a bunch of crap that just makes no sense, and it's inconsistent, and it's like, do these guys get it? Privately, I hope they get it. And privately, I hope Derek Carr realizes the mistake that he made. And I don't know that the Raiders can cross the country and beat the Eagles. Last time they played, four years ago, Nick Foles was a starter, seven touchdown passes, no picks. I don't think he's going to duplicate that, but I do think the Eagles win and nail down the number one seed. That was your Week 16 preview. Now this, this will be the... The effort to answer your questions before we wrap up PFT PM for the day. 38 of them in the box have not opened them yet. Let's see what's in here. Our old pal Mike Wilkening, former PFT contributor. I posted a GIF of Jim Halpert pretending to be Dwight Schrute saying, what kind of bear is best? Mike Wilkening wants to know whether I'm of the black bear or brown bear variety. I tell you what. I would say that brown is best because at least when dealing with a brown bear, if you play dead, it will leave you alone. With a black bear, he's still going to eat you. Once a black bear decides he's coming after you, it doesn't matter if you play dead. You're going to be dead. You're not going to have to act. You, you, you are going to earn that Oscar for playing dead. You, you are going to inhabit the role completely. So for that reason, I'd say the brown bear is just a little bit better. At RMW2... Is the NFL still recording PSI before the game, at half, after games? Haven't heard any news. Would like to see stats. That's a great point. You know, in 2015, it was a big deal. They were harvesting the PSI information at various games. Not all of them, but they were doing spot checks, random games, etc. But they were never going to give us the information. They refused to make it public. You know why? Because what was going to happen is there was going to be a day when it was really cold, and they were going to record the PSI at halftime. And the PSI numbers at halftime were going to look a lot like the Patriots' PSI numbers at halftime of the 2014, played in January 2015, AFC Championship game. And they would have been embarrassed, and they would have had to admit that they screwed it up because no one in that room, when they tested the Patriots' footballs, bothered to stop and think, hey, you know what? When it's cold out, air pressure inside of rubber bladders shrinks. PV equals NRT. No one in the room thought of it. No one in the room apparently parks their car outside in a northern environment and has their air pressure light come on. That's why they don't share the information. And I don't know whether they still do it. I'll ask the league office if I remember. But it doesn't matter because there's no transparency. And it's so obvious. But, but what can you do? What do you do? What can we do to them? Start a petition? Wag our fingers? Say for shame? But it just proves to me what a colossal mess Deflategate was. At Pastor Markworth wants to know what's my favorite cigar to smoke. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Reverend Markworth. I have discovered it's a Cuban, what is it? It's a Monte Cristo. It's about four, four and a half inches. I don't know the names of them, all the specific little, you know, your Maduro and all the, I'm not at that point. I just find cigars I like, and we have a humidor down in the barn, and we keep it pretty well stocked. 
and I, I don't have a very sensitive palate when it comes to the smoke coming off of a cigar, but this, this Monte Cristo, this Cuban Monte Cristo that we get is uh, excellent. It's excellent. So thank you for the question. At our Clove Jets, assuming both Rosen and Darnold enter the NFL draft and Baker Mayfield wins the championship along with his Heisman, who do you think will be the first quarterback taken? I, I don't know. Baker Mayfield, I did some research a couple of weeks ago, talked to a bunch of different people. The thinking was late round one for Mayfield by the time it's all said and done, but you know what happens. These guys have a way of moving up the board, not because they've gotten any better. One of the reasons they move up the board is the media starts to catch up with the scouts, but also the X factor in these decisions is ownership. Because you could have the scouts and the coaches peg a guy in one spot, but when the owner starts saying, I really like that guy, some teams end up taking a guy higher than they should. And also, the importance of having a franchise quarterback, a willingness to roll the dice. Are you willing if you need that franchise quarterback to take a chance on a guy who, you know what? If he's bad, we'll be back in this position again. If he ends up being a superstar for someone else, then we have that Browns dynamic. Don't overlook the fear that some teams will have to not take a guy. Teams that need a quarterback, you don't take Baker Mayfield, you don't take Josh Rosen, you don't take Sam Donald, you don't take Josh Allen, and they become stars elsewhere, and you look like an idiot. The fear used to be looking like an idiot for taking a quarterback who stinks. Now, thanks to the Browns and not taking Carson Wentz and not taking Deshaun Watson, that's the other side of this. That really, that really crystallized this year as part of the criticism of the Browns. Probably one of the reasons why Sashi Brown currently doesn't have a job. At Terry Gensler, was Peter King the one who said you're better than that? I, I would like to say you're getting warmer because I think the last guess was Shefty. You're probably getting colder. I'd say you're getting colder. Any eggnog yet? Not enough to get me to tell the you're better than that story today. But it could be coming. I've got the you're better than that story. I've got the Dirk Cutter story. I've got, what else do I have that I've been carrying around? Just the whole generalized hostility with Shefty. I got a few things. I got a few things that one of these days, maybe I'll be drinking a little Crown Royal, a little Pappy Van Winkle in the afternoon, a little, uh, what else? What else is out there? Four Roses. Maybe one of these days I'll be doing the podcast with, uh, like, uh, who's the comedian that always has a scotch when he's on stage? Who's that guy? What's his name? Stats? Shit, Stats. What good are you? Ron White. I was thinking Ron Burgundy. Definitely not Ron Burgundy. Ron White. Yeah. Would that be frowned upon? I guess I would have to ask some of the higher-ups. Is it permissible to do this podcast while mildly under the influence. I mean, I wouldn't be slurring, just mildly under the influence. Probably not something I want to test out, at least not until I uh, beef up the savings account a little bit more. At Tyler J. Roney, what should the Broncos do with the quarterback situation? Roll with Simeon? No. And Osweiler? No. Or try to get Cousins or someone else. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, and I think the idea is a veteran. Cousins? Drew Brees, if he would go there, although I don't think that's going to happen. Peyton Manning's little brother, Eli, although I don't think that would happen. I think Cousins. I think Cousins is the, is the play. Because they still have the window open with that championship caliber defense. The real question is, is it going to be Vance Joseph or someone else coaching that team? Is John Elway going to be able to overlook that eight-game losing streak that featured a lot of ugly blowouts? Will he overlook that and keep Vance Joseph? That's, that's the key. At Neil Toth, what has been your least favorite Christmas gift you have ever received? Well, I mean, look, clothes. 
And I can't specify which clothes. And I don't mean fun clothes, like a football jersey, right? Or some type of NFL-related paraphernalia, or like the NFL sleeping bag that I had, or the NFL sheets that I had. I mean clothes. I mean opening up socks, or underwear, or some stupid V-neck sweater. I hated clothes, and I always advised my wife when buying gifts for anyone under the age of 15, don't buy clothes. They hate clothes. They got clothes, and they don't care what clothes they're wearing. Maybe sometime around 13, 14, you start to get that sensitivity to what you're wearing, but boy, and let, let, me, let, me, let me reduce it from 15 to 13. Anyone under 13, if you buy them clothes, it just gets thrown in the corner, and that's it. So... Just I, that was my that was just that deflating moment when you rip the paper off the box and you open it up and I always I always you know you could get the feel like there's no mass to it right it's one of those rectangular boxes and you can kind of feel the way that it opens up the way a closed box does and I knew I, I developed a sense by the time I hit eight nine years old that yeah we'll open those we'll open those last we'll, we'll open those in May yeah. Let me focus on that oddly shaped thing over there. All right, next question. At Paul PJ5, favorite Christmas memory as a child? Oh, boy. Oh, this is... Boy. Oh, I got a lot of them. And I don't know. It's hard to talk about it without getting emotional this time of year. The, the, the best gift I ever got, though... And it was the ultimate surprise that I didn't see coming. You know, it was the Red Rider BB gun that that after the dust had settled on opening all the gifts, there was that one thing that was left over, and you knew exactly what it was. I would say it was 1975 or 74. I was 9 or I was 10. And what I wanted was the inherently maddening and frustrating electric football game. Now, little did I know what I was setting myself up for by aspiring to have the electric football game. But that's what I wanted. And they played me just well enough to make me think I wasn't getting it. Like, oh, they couldn't find it. Like, my sister was in on it. She's nine years older than me. She was in it. Like, oh, they really couldn't find it. Because I was like, oh, am I getting it? Am I getting it? Oh, I want the electric football. Yeah, I was like that little, that little weasel on, on uh, the, the Bugs Bunny cartoons. Is that what he's from? In more ways than one. Hey, am I getting it? I mean, just I'd get something in my head and I couldn't let it go. Kind of still that same way, but I thought I didn't get it. And as I was processing the, oh shit, I didn't get what I wanted. Thank God I didn't say it, or I'd have been eating the wrong end of a shoe. There it was, over in the corner, so big that it couldn't be properly wrapped. Right? I think it was wrapped in the only time I ever got a gift that was wrapped in newspaper. It was so big they didn't know what to do, and I knew instantly what it was. And man, I tell you what. That was great until I actually started playing with it because it is so frustrating. I still loved it, and I still – if you go to the Pro Football Talk Twitter page, you'll see that the the background is uh, this thing I have. It's right up here on the wall. It's it, This is very compelling when you can't see what I'm pointing to. You'll see the picture. Go to go to the PFT Twitter page. I took the uh, some of the electric fi football figures I had when I was a kid – and I had it mounted in this thing that's kind of painted, and it, it's 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 uh, diamond-shaped, and it's got the the football field lines on. It's got the PFT logo. There's an NBC logo on it. I had that a couple years ago made, but uh, I had a bunch of different teams, and 
I, I hated it. I hated it and I loved it because it took 15 minutes to set the players up. And then you click that button and everything went. And and they like spun around or they fell over. Like if you turned it up too high, they would just, I, I would do that. You know, you get bored. It's like, hey, it's an earthquake at the LA Coliseum and they shake and they fall down. But you get it just right. And and it, it just was just like, like it was all anticipation and no execution. And every once in a while, right, you'd have that moment where Franco Harris breaks free. It was Steelers and the Browns. Those were the two teams in the first game that I got. And and then what happened at one point, and this was down the road, I stepped on it and it made a dent. So then what happened is anytime you turned it on, all the players went straight for the dent. Because it's otherwise, I mean, they just go, they're straight, they just go straight for the dent. You have the guys spinning around in circles. You had that goofy looking triple threat quarterback that could kick and would throw. And it never, how do you throw? How do they catch it? There there was a a highlight from last week where I think it was Blaine Gabbert hit a Cardinals player in the back of the helmet with a football. And I thought, hey, there's a reception in electric football. That's what it was. If you hit the guy with the ball, it was a catch. And then you'd kick that little tiny foam thing and it would disappear. And you'd have to find it in the carpet. God, it was frustrating. It's amazing to have something that you both hated and loved so much. But I loved it. It was the best gift I ever got. And I hated it. I despised it. But it was still pretty good. And that's the memory that stands out above all others. All right. I got through that without breaking down. Next at Schneid the Glide. Do you think Jerry Jones had anything to do with the Jerry Richardson situation? Not sure if he's on the compensation committee for Gridell or is this just too far out there? No, I don't think Jerry Jones has anything to do with Jerry Richardson because, look, this is an unblinking red eye that I think can affect any other owner. And I think one of the things the NFL needs to do if it's going to investigate Jerry Richardson based upon settlement agreements, needs to find out what other owners have entered into settlement agreements with former employees over the years, and those guys are going to be susceptible to investigations as well. I think this is radioactive, and Jerry Jones would want nothing to do with, or any other owner would want nothing to do with Jerry Richardson being taken down over something like this. Next question. At Hunkura with Hugh Jackson planning to be with the Browns in 2018, what do you think is, ha, 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 I tried so hard to keep it together. Very well done. Yeah, look, Jackson plans to be back. Ownership says he'll be back. I still believe that John Dorsey, the new GM, is going to make a run at getting the authority to hire a new coach if the Browns lose their next two games. If they win one of the next two games, then I don't know what happens. I still think Dorsey's going to try to get his own person in there. At Lucas Gravenat, upset alert in Buffalo this weekend. Hard to imagine as a Pats fan, but I got some kind of a feeling. Well, I can tell you what, no upset alert in Buffalo. Because I've already played in Buffalo, right? And is that right? Now I got to check. Was I wrong all along? I thought they played in Foxborough. Let me see. I thought last time around they played in Buffalo. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it's in New England. I was right. So no upset alert in Buffalo. At T.E. Gensler 14, will the, draft, the Colts draft a quarterback? I mean, if they do, that's a pretty ominous sign because they have Jacoby Brissett under contract for two more years who's been good, good enough to be the backup to Andrew Luck, and they keep saying Andrew Luck's going to be back. So if they draft a quarterback higher than round four, I'd be very concerned. At Uncle Larry 112, where do you expect to see Alex Smith next year back in Kansas City or another team? With all the talk about settle agreements, et cetera, do lawyers who tune into PF – TPM get continuing legal education credit. I should charge for that aspect of it. Yes, I mean, between... I mean, really, think about all the different times we talk about legal issues here. And I have to pause and feel like I'm 
a professor at the local law school with my tweed jacket with the patches over the elbows and my bifocals and my fancy coffees. Uh, I don't think Alex Smith will be in Kansas City next year unless they get to the Super Bowl. And I don't think they're getting to the Super Bowl. They gave up too much to get Patrick Mahomes. I think Mahomes is the guy next year. They'll trade Smith somewhere else. I've seen a suggestion that maybe they trade him to the Browns because of John Dorsey, but I, I think that that was an Andy Reid move, that Smith was a guy that could come in and run Reid's offense. So if if Hugh Jackson is still there, and if you don't think that Alex Smith is a Hugh Jackson offense guy, then, then uh, you know, that's not the answer. But... I think Alex Smith still has gas in the tank. The question is, who who needs him, who wants him, and how good can he still be? He's he's only like 33. He feels like he's been around for 40 years. He still he still can contribute. He still can he still can win some football games. At S. Alvashire, Blanton's or Woodford Reserve, Woodford Reserve. That one's easy. At Uncle Phil, had any eggnog yet? Uh, no. No, and I, I I've never had eggnog. It, it 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 just it it may be good, and and the fact that they produce it and sell it tells me that enough people think it's good that it's like a marketable product. I think it it looks disgusting. I mean, what is it like a milkshake with booze in it? It, it just the name is disgusting. Like I want eggs one way, scrambled. I don't want I don't want to drink an egg. I don't want to be like Rocky. No, I'm not drinking eggs. So no. At the Impact 99, what cities would work best for the XFL? And do you believe the NFL could have then even silently as a feeder supplementary alternative option? Look, anything that gives players a chance to get reps and improve. The NFL has been saying we need a developmental league because you have young players that never get the game reps that will make them better. But if the XFL essentially sticks its finger in the NFL's eye and tries to make the NFL the villain and soft and we're going to play real football. And then here's the other thing. You bring guys to the XFL and it's no holds barred football and you teach them techniques that are outdated in the NFL. How do you unteach those techniques if they come to the NFL? At the Impact 99, do you believe the Packers will try to use this year's draft to find the next wave of defense for after the Clay Matthews era? I don't know what they're going to do, but what they need to do, they need to take advantage of the remaining years of Aaron Rodgers' career, period. One Super Bowl appearance seven years ago, and he's 34 now. How many years does he have left? And at what point, see, they don't have traditional ownership. At what point does whoever calls the shots in Green Bay say, we can do better? We have Aaron Rodgers. We've been good enough. We can be better, and we're going to hold the people accountable who have failed to do better with one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. At C. Crawl, you allude from time to time to the fact there's a lot of problems in the Seahawks locker room with Russell Wilson. Has the problem gone down since Marshawn left, and why did Marshawn not like Russell? He, yeah, I mean, there were reports and, and claims of this. that, that uh, re- Remember the report, was this Mike Freeman? Mike Freeman, I think, reported that some of the players in the locker room didn't think that Russell Wilson was black enough. Now, Russell Wilson had an upbringing unlike some of the players on the team who come from backgrounds that are more um, challenging, more aggressive, more hurdles to overcome. Russell Wilson doesn't have that Marshawn Lynch, Richard Sherman upbringing where it was it was difficult and it was and it was a challenge every day, and I think they've also perceived Russell Wilson as part of management, like an extension of the coaching staff, and and that go Hawks thing. I know that guys in the locker room don't like that, 
and, and there is that question of how legitimate and genuine Russell Wilson is. Now, look, I had him on PFT Live a couple of weeks ago, and he was on, we had him on the PFTM podcast as well. He was great. And if, if what he's doing isn't genuine, let me tell you, he should be acting because there is a warmth to him. There is a friendliness to him. And if it is an act, bravo. Bravo, sir. Here's the Oscar. But uh, th- there's just been that resentment. And, and I've heard something recently, and I can't go into detail about it, but I've heard something recently that causes me to believe that that resentment of Russell Wilson still lingers. But you know what? Here's the reality. Now that Russell Wilson is a franchise quarterback and he's going to be around for a while, maybe they finally reach the point where they have to get rid of all the guys who have been there and they have to rebuild that team around Russell Wilson with the understanding that he's essentially Tom Brady. I mean, nobody resents Tom Brady. Why do they resent Russell Wilson? But I think part of it is the way Russell Wilson came up and the makeup of the team around him. And I think that maybe now we're at the point where it just should be Russell's team and you build guys around him who will accept the fact that it's his team and and they won't have that attitude that Marshawn Lynch and others had. Percy Harvin had it. Others have had it. And I admire Russell Wilson all the more for thriving in what is an inherently aggressive environment. I mean, think about it. You got guys who are looking at you differently because because of how you were brought up and 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 you didn't have the same adversity that they did. So they they view you as I don't know what they view you as, just different. All right, next question. At T against the 14, Bridgewater, Keenum's cousins, Eli, where will they play next year? Boy, I, a good question. I think Keenum's gonna end up back in Minnesota because I think they're gonna win enough games in the postseason. The Vikings will have no choice but to move on. Or or no, they will have no they will have no ability to move on. With Bridgewater, I don't know. Cousins, maybe Denver. Eli, I don't know. Jacksonville. But now Blake Bortles is playing well. It's going to be a fascinating offseason. I'm not just saying that to drive traffic in advance. I think it's going to be a fascinating 2018 offseason. At the Impact 99, what's your favorite Kiss Green Day album? My favorite Kiss album is Alive, the original Alive, because that was how I discovered them. I saw them on the Paul Lind Halloween special, 75, 76, whatever it was. I got the Kiss Alive album. And I remember there was a little bit of a controversy in the household because of the face paint and the fire. And, you know, is he old enough for this? Well, there's no bad lyrics, right? So I remember getting that album. And just, I remember how it smelled. Remember how albums used to smell and they had the liner notes on the inside and they had the pamphlets and they just had a smell. And you put that thing on and you drop the needle and it would crack and pop a few times before it would fade in. That crowd noise on a live album, it would fade in. And then you hear it all start. What's the first cut on a live? Is it Deuce? I think it's Deuce. And, and, and I think every Kiss show I've been to except one. I've been to them eight different times. I think every Kiss show except one or two, they open with Deuce. And I mean, it's from their first album. It just shows you how it endures. It's been 43 years. But uh, I, that, that, that Kiss Alive, I, I played that thing over and over and over again. And uh, uh, yeah. So Green Day... I, I probably, probably American Idiot, probably American Idiot, although I like, uh, uh, what's the other one? What was the one after American Idiot? 21st Century Breakdown, that one's underrated, but but American Idiot is, is just a classic. Every cut is great, and, and the older ones, it's like those little two-minute songs, and it's, it's exhausting. It's like 22-minute songs. Anyway, Green Day and Kiss, thank you for remembering my top two choices. My, my standing options for halftime of the Super Bowl, although I will admit that Kiss is at the point where maybe it's time to consider uh, just spending the money and enjoying life because voices are shot and bodies are misshapen and what used to work is no longer plausible, even if you are completely covered in makeup. Next question. 
from at T. Gensler. If Philadelphia wins a Super Bowl with Foles, then what for Foles? I think, well, Foles is under contract for one more year. I think you trade him. I don't think you make him your starter. I think you trade him. And will there be a team out there that will trade for him? Who knows? And if you can't trade him, then you just keep him as your backup. You say, hey, Nick, that's what you're here for. And then you're the insurance policy to Carson Wentz getting injured again next year. At I am Carl Thomas, if Vince McMahon says publicly his league will not test for marijuana, how quick does the NFL announce the same but in a knee-jerk, awkward manner? Yeah, yeah. That See, that's... see. The XFL could be the NFL without all the things that are screwed up about the NFL. The NFL without the catch rule. The NFL without telling players how to live their lives. The NFL without all the things that have dragged down the NFL over the last 10 years. But also with much less safe techniques and tactics, which some people are going to say, oh, it's immoral to even watch those games. And other people are going to say, shut the hell up. The players know what they're getting into. I want to enjoy my football the way football used to be. Next question at Charles Dismooks, are most NFL jobs for lawyers in HR and compliance? It feels that way, doesn't it? The way things have been going. At C. Crawl, does the new owner of the Panthers have to worry about a stadium problem, and will they use relocation as leverage? Also, how's the new Bills stadium coming along? I don't know what's up with the new Bills stadium. I don't know what they're doing there. I know there's going to be renovations of, like, the suite level, the club level at the Bills stadium, and the Pagulas are going to pay for it themselves. The Panthers can leave... Carolina at any point after the 2018 season. But I get the impression that the folks in Charlotte will pony up whatever needs to be ponied up to help pay for a stadium. See, the mood typically, mostly, with some exceptions like Las Vegas, where $750 million is being devoted to the Raiders stadium, the mood is against the use of taxpayer money to build stadiums. So if I'm going to pay for my own stadium, I'm going to pay for it in a larger market because I want more people there. I want more money from local corporate sponsorships. I want to have a venue that can be filled with other events. The bigger the population center, the better. That's the mindset. So if I got to pay for it in Charlotte, I'll pay for it somewhere else where I think I can make more money. I mean, that's that's a business consideration that becomes part of it. Now, if Charlotte's going to step up, not that I think they should. I mean, from in the eyes of the NFL, if Charlotte steps up, then that's a different mindset altogether. And with this new tax bill, changing the provision that would have eliminated the use of tax-free municipal bonds, tax-exempt municipal bonds, that change, I think, keeps viable the way that cities have been paying for new stadiums. Ah, boy, it's already an hour. i got a few more here. At I... A man, A-W-L, why do we give coaches so much credit in regards to improvement, i.e. Rams, Eagles? Well, because great coaches can make a difference. The, the talent is relatively the same from team to team, except for the quarterback position because there aren't enough good quarterbacks. But a good coach can turn a team around quickly. I remember when Andy Reid went to the Chiefs several years ago and was great right away and turned around a moribund franchise instantly. I said, you know what? Andy Reid just got people fired because that's the one way. You can't overhaul your roster in one offseason because of the salary cap, but you can overhaul your coaching staff. That's one way you can make your team a lot better. At Hey, I'm Alex C15. How's your fantasy team doing? Good one. At Jeffrey Denny, do you think Blake Bortles is elite? Even better. At Rulers Philly, Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Exactly. At B Flofo Show. Boy, I wondered where you were, Brady. At B. Flo Show. Give me a reason the Seahawks don't lose on Sunday. And eh, they're going to lose. 
I mean, the only the only way they don't lose, and we've seen teams get blown out, and then we think they're done, and then they there's some 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 reservoir of pride that kicks in, like the Bills after they've been blown out in back to back weeks by I think it was the Saints and then the Chargers. They went in and beat the Chiefs, but the, the Cowboys are playing for a playoff spot, and the Seahawks are too banged up, and I'd be shocked if the Seahawks win this one. Uh, let's see what <laughs> let's. Let's just, at Jeff Heasy, false. That's the answer to the original question, what kind of bear is best? Although that's not an answer to the question. That's the kind of thing that, that, uh, that was the response to Dwight's answer to the question. Jim Halpert, pretending to be Dwight, said false. I think. I don't know. It was one of the, one of the great episodes. Is there a series out there that was, that, that you can think of that was so great and then fell off so sharply? Like Seinfeld, like Seinfeld had its moments, like season seven. When you go back and watch the whole thing in a fairly compressed time frame, you realize season seven was not good. But like The Office was great. And then Michael Scott left and it's like, Ugh. well, it was really after the Pam and Jim wedding. That's when it kind of started. And then after they had the baby and then Michael left, it just fell apart the last few seasons. But the first few seasons were excellent. All right, I've said enough. Enjoy the holiday weekend. Enjoy the football games. We will reconvene. For PFT Live, radio only on Tuesday. We're preempted by the Premier League on Tuesday because the day after Christmas, a big day for the Premier League. We'll be back on NBCSN on Wednesday. PFT PM podcast will be back on Tuesday. But remember this, all weekend long, including Monday, when you get your new cell phone device, when you get your new laptop, when you get your new tablet, bookmark profootballtalk.com right away because we will have that vacuum filled. Think about it. All other media is going to be shut down on Monday. We will be cranking as we always do. So stick with us all weekend long throughout the games on Sunday, throughout the day on Monday for reaction. Thanks as always for some of your time. Enjoy the holiday. Thanks so much for everything you do to support what we do. And we will talk again soon. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.